Let me just give you a few announcements uh, through the week. We will be doing prayer meeting, Lord willing, 10 o'clock on Tuesday, if you're able to make that. And then men's group will, no, 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 no. Men's group will meet uh, 7 o'clock Tuesday. Uh, and we'll continue the looking at the theology of heaven, which is appropriate. Uh, there will be roundtable this week for, yeah, on your birthday, as a matter of fact. So wish Aaron a happy birthday. And uh, uh, so we will have a roundtable. Uh, and this, uh, this time it'll start around 1230. So 1230 to one quarter after one. Uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a good roundtable. Uh, for those of you who were uh, able to attend all through this week, it was powerful. It was it was really good. If you, if you missed yes uh, yeah today's Sunday right if you mi- if you missed yesterday's um, everybody left with their brain hurting you know because the Bible's so vague about what happened in in the tomb on Saturday but it was good it was it was excellent um, and women's re- uh, retreat. Uh, we're doing an in-house women's retreat. Uh, Diane is doing it. It is excellent. I saw what she is doing. Uh, I would urge you, if you haven't signed up, please sign up and um, take advantage of that. I think that's two or three weeks away. Two weeks, maybe? Yeah, the last Saturday of April, right? Uh, so please uh, sign up. It, it's it's a really blessed time. and. Uh, I'm praying you take advantage of it. Uh, I, I think that's all the announcements. I, I just want to thank those who came out this morning um, in, in the cold uh, to Bayfront Park for our service. And um, it was really a good sunrise. I mean, God always works this out for us somehow, right? Uh, the wind wasn't a factor this morning. Uh, the birds even chimed in with their singing. Uh, and we had a we had a great service, so uh, we're so grateful for that. Um, Chip, where are you? Okay. Are oh, you sitting out or? Uh, okay. I'm not used to seeing you there. I didn't want the screen shining on me as Sundays are coming. All right. Put me, uh, put me at the um, First Peter reading. Uh, and thank you, thank you. Uh, Gonna ask if you would read along with us. It's only two verses, okay? And let's hear what the Lord has to say to us. Praise be to the Father, to God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Isn't that a great promise? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, people worry so much over bank accounts. People worry so much about bank accounts and, and the wealth and what's happening to it and this and that. Well. You know, in memory of our famous theologian, Nora Jelly, uh, she used to say to me, you can't take the U-Haul to the grave. But there's inheritance that is stored up for us in heaven. I mean, that's, and it's guarded. Nobody can take it away. Nothing, no one can take it away. So we rejoice in that, and that is because Christ conquered the grave. Christ conquered sin. He conquered Satan. And not only that, says he prepares a place for us even now. Some translations use the word mansions. Wow. That'd be nice. I mean, I mean, you know, we're in a small three-bedroom ranch, you know. I just hope that it's self-cleaning. Uh but, you know, whatever it is, it, you know, it's going to be perfect. And that's because Christ the Lord has risen. One last thing before we, we start to sing, I'll turn it over to Chip. Um, you realize uh, that there was an earthquake and 
an angel came down and rolled, rolled away the stone. I, I want to emphasize, we talked a little bit about this this morning, but I want to emphasize Jesus left that tomb long before that stone was ro rolled away. He didn't have to have the, 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 the boulder, if you will, move to get out of the tomb. How do I know that? Because it's the truth, okay? And uh, later on, in, you know, uh, in the upper room, it says that the disciples were meeting because they were still afraid, and Jesus appeared to them. He came through the door. It was closed. It was locked. Nothing, nothing can bound him because he's risen. Would you stand, please? If you're able to, stand and, and sing. Morning, church. He is risen. He is risen Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord, his risen today. frightened by the events two days past. But the guard could see. He didn't realize it at first. Then, as the light grew brighter, he realized he could see his hands. He looked over his shoulder in disbelief and saw a bright light coming from behind the stone. How is this possible, he wondered. What kind of witchcraft is this? Then, as he watched, the stone started rolling by itself away from the grave entrance. He was terrified and shaking violently. The stone rolled back and fell over with an earth-shaking thud. <laughs> the brilliance was overwhelming and caused him to swoon. In his last few sections of, of seconds of consciousness, he thought he saw a figure of a man who appeared to be the source of the light. His final few thoughts before passing out were, it's him.
You called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. I see the old has passed away. The new has come. Now I have resurrection power living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom. No longer bound by sin and darkness, living in the light of your goodness. You have given us freedom. I'm dressed in your royalty. Your Holy Spirit lives in me. I see my past has been redeemed. The new has come. Now I have resurrection power, living on the inside, Jesus. You have given us freedom. No longer bound by sin and darkness, living in the light of your goodness. You have given us freedom. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom. My chains are gone. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom, hallelujah. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom, my chains are gone. Freedom, you have given us freedom. You have given us freedom, hallelujah. Now I have resurrection Living on the inside, no longer bound by sin and darkness. Living in the light of your goodness, you have given us freedom. Now I have resurrection power. Living on the inside, Jesus, you have given us freedom. No longer bound by sin and darkness, living in the light of your goodness, you have given us freedom. Amen. Give me a second. My fingers have lost their sticky. That too. All right. We lift your name, O oh Lord, as a shining beacon of hope and love. We love to sing to you with all of our might, in tune, out of tune, remembering the words, sometimes remembering the chords. We make a joyful noise to you, O oh Lord, our Savior, and pray that you will call us to you on our last day on earth so they, we may be with you forever. Amen. I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My dead to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name 
love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to sacrificial lamb was raised separately from most other sheep, inspected and unblemished. The land was to be perfect for a sacrifice to God. Jesus was the perfect lamb. Fully God and fully man, unblemished in spirit, and willing and a willing sacrifice to take away all of our sins. After Christ's death, there was no more need to sacrifice sheep. As the perfect and penultimate sacrifice had been done, Jesus Christ paid our debt forever. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow, now all I know. Forgiveness and embrace Worthy is the Lamb Seated on the throne Crown you now with many crowns You reign You reign victory. 
On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down within the faces to the ground. But the men said to the women, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. All right, the... Uh, The last line was there, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners and be crucified on the third day, be raised again. All right, so, so if you've noticed, we have a, a couple um, um, Gospels, uh, different versions of what happened, and one of my own that I, that I was inspired to write last night. Um, the four Gospels, each writer tells of four different accounts of what happened on Easter morning. The Gospels refer to different times and name different women who arrived at the tomb. Matthew states that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb as it began, tomb as it began to dawn. Mark adds Salome, I think I had that right, Salome, Salome to the group, and claims that they came very early in the morning. Luke agrees that it was very, very early in the morning and names Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women, as those who came to the tomb. John wrote that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. Was the tomb open? Were there guards? How many angels appeared? When and where did Jesus appear? There are many seemingly contradic contradictory stories and events that atheists or those who like to stick in the figure, finger in the eye of Christianity will jump on. The fact is, is that there is no contradiction. First, some of the transcripts were written 100, 200 years after the events happened. I think the earliest accounts were 30 to 60 years. Sixty years. And given all the time between Christ's resurrection and when the events were compiled, I think there is amazing congruity here. We would go on for quite we could go on for quite some time to compare gospels, which may be a great idea for a study. <laughs> but for today, we are left with an empty tomb and a risen savior, and there is no contradiction in any gospel about that. Amen. You know, um I know Bush was in law enforcement. My brother was in law enforcement. And, you know, I was a special when I was in college over in Lavalette. And uh, it's funny, when you have four witnesses to an accident, you're going to get four different accounts from the perspective that they see it. So there are no contradictions here. Uh, and a lot of people like to try to find uh, uh, errors in the Bible. No, the error is here. It's not in the scripture. Right, and uh, I, I used to have one man who used to underline all the errors in the Bible, and at that time we had an evening service, and he'd wait for me uh, to come in, and he'd say to me, "I told you the Bible's full of errors." 
And he said, okay, what do you have? And we talked, and they said, you missed the whole point. God loves you. Jesus died for you. Was that an error? Oh, no. A lot of times we think we know better than Scripture. The problem is we have sinful understanding, don't we? Our brains can only go so far with the help of the Holy Spirit, but we're not going to understand everything. You know, uh, I quoted Mark Twain prior. He said, it's not what I don't understand in the Bible that bothers me. It's what I do understand. So we really need to be careful as we come to, to Scripture. I'm going to ask those who are going to help with the collection to come up, please. By the way, if you make it home in time, uh, don't break any speed limits, okay? Um, Franklin Graham's going to give an Easter message at noon on Fox, Fox News. So uh, if you want to tune into that, I'm sure, you know, it'll be on uh, the Internet uh, recorded if you, if you can't get to it. Um, but the only hope for our nation is Jesus Christ. That's it. That's it. So as we give to the work of the gospel, let us give voluntarily uh, with grateful hearts, knowing that this world needs Jesus, and we need to be a part of that. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for the great service this morning, the service Good Friday, all the roundtables, and Father, uh, we just rejoice that our Savior lives. And so as we give to the work of the gospel, I ask that you bless the giver and the gift. Help us to reach people. Thank you for the three who came out this morning. And Father, hopefully we help them on their journey. And so Father, bless this offering in Jesus' name. Amen. Canada just passed a law that prohibits free speech in some arenas. We're not far away from that. And I really believe the church is going to enter into a time of persecution going forward. Now, God can intervene in that. However, the signs don't look good as far as uh, the voice of Bible-believing, gospel-believing churches. And we've had it good for many years, no question about it. God has blessed us. But it could be that God would use persecution to the churches in America to maybe filter out those who are serious about their walk with Christ and those who are not. I don't know. We all know it's not a popular thing to be a born-again Christian, is it? Because right away you're, con you're considered uh, phobic about everything, right? Now listen, the churches in Revelation were undergoing persecution because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They tried to get rid of the churches. They tried to silence them. Isn't that what they did with Jesus? This guy's a troublemaker. You know, let's, let's get rid of him. 
So the religious experts said, well, the empty grave is proof that we're never going to get rid of Jesus. Now, we can choose to ignore him in our own lives, right? But as a church, if we're going to be blessed and we're going to be used by the risen Christ, we better be doing the work he commands us to do. The churches in Ephesus, Pergamum, Thyatira, uh, Philadelphia, Sardis, and I'm missing one, uh, Laodicea. They were all hurting churches under persecution from government leaders and religious leaders, and they needed encouragement. Listen, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty probably of looking at news too much. But understand the way our culture, and in some cases our government, has slapped God in the face. As far as I read the Bible, there's only two genders, male and female. As far as I read the Bible, God is still God and he's in control. As I read the Bible, it says that there's a cost to following Christ. And that cost could be persecution, right? You may get called names. I've been called every name in the book. And maybe it's part of getting older. I really don't care anymore. You know? They can call me whatever they want. I don't even want people to know my name. They need to know the name of Christ. And so we're going to pick up Revelation chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can uh, come along in, in the journey. And um, I'm going to read through the beginning uh, very quickly because I want to concentrate on verses 8 and following. But here it is. I believe that John the Apostle wrote Revelation. There's good evidence for that, by the way. There are some uh, theologians and teachers that teach otherwise. Uh, I think it's Apostle John. Now, let me give you a little bit of history here. Fox's Book of Martyrs. Every, anybody ever hear that? All right. Great book, if you ever want to read it. Fox's Book of Martyrs records from Josephus and other historians that John was convicted by the religious leaders and the civil leaders to be a heretic propagating a false king. And they sentenced him to death. So what they did was they wanted everybody to see this, this troublemaker die. So they boiled up a cauldron of oil. And they put him in the oil. Boiling oil. The oil didn't touch him. Now they said, what are we going to do with this guy? <laughs> right? And, you know, listen... The gospel will always turn up again somewhere, somehow. And if we're not being obedient, God's going to use other people to proclaim the gospel. So what do we do with this guy now? So they decided to exile him for the rest of his life to a, a prison island called Patmos. Right? Listen. Listen to this. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him, to show his servants what soon must take place. You should underline that. What soon must take place. And I'll tell you the reason why later. He made it known, made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed. Listen to this. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. That's a promise. That's a promise that you will be blessed 
If you read this incredible letter, read it aloud. It's something about reading something aloud, isn't it? Uh, you know, you may hear yourself say something and say, well, I thought I read that, but it sounds different, right? And what an incredible promise. A lot of people shy away from the Old Testament. A lot of people shy away from Revelation. Revelation is a book of worship to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the risen Christ. That's what Revelation is all about. And we don't get caught up in timelines or anything like that because the fact of the matter is nobody knows when Christ is coming again. But the time is near. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. I don't know. But we're told to be found ready when he comes. Look at the rest of this, right? Here we go. Greetings. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, in verse 4, chapter 1. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who is to come, from the seven spirits before the throne. That's the Holy Spirit, by the way, right? And grace and peace to you. Listen, there's no grace and there's no true peace apart from Jesus. It doesn't exist. All right? First of all, we have to settle the war that we declared on God. And the only way that could be settled is to receive what Jesus did for us on the cross. And we will be forgiven sins, past, present, and future. And we will be born from above, born again. That's when true peace comes. Peace is not the absence of conflict. That's what the world believes. P There's always going to be conflict. You know why? Because people are sinners. Pride gets in the way. Greed. Power. But I want to suggest to you that God makes peace available to us even in the, the fiercest storm. Because once we have committed our lives to him, no one can take that away. No persecution or anything. And from Jesus Christ, who is what? The faithful witness. He doesn't lie. It's against his nature, right? The firstborn from the dead, what means the preeminent. He was resurrected. He's alive. And the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, listen to this, who loves us and has what? Freed us. From our sins by his blood. Well, that's Easter in a nutshell, right? And has made us, we didn't make ourselves this, he made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God, the Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. We are saved to serve the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit, and under the direction of the word. Now look how this progresses. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him. This is the second coming, right? Even those who pierced him. Where was he pierced? On the cross. All the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. Why? Because when he comes back like this, he comes back as the judge and the warrior. It's going to be too late. So shall it be. Amen. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. Um, I'm sorry, the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. How do you think churches going through hard times, how important was this for them to hear? The Almighty. Listen, let them do whatever they want, but God's going to have the final word, and Christ is going to have the final word, right? Here's John's vision. I, John, your brother, and comparing in, what's the word here? In the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. 
was on the island of Patmos because, because, and hear why he was sent there, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. You realize there are countries that will imprison you for preaching the gospel. I hope we never get there, but it's not beyond, not beyond the realm of reality. He says, on the Lord's Day, I was in, on, in the spirit. He was worshiping. On Sunday, right? On the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, I heard behind me a voice, a loud voice like a trumpet. Did you ever have anybody blow a trumpet in your ear? A little loud, right? I mean, that would get your attention. Sometimes, you know, at sporting events, they, they bring these uh, uh, canisters of the air, the air horn. So I, I can remember being at a um, football game, and somebody behind me decided he was going to blast it. And I thought my whole head exploded. But this was a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Those were the seven churches, real churches, just like us, that were under persecution. They needed encouragement from the risen Christ. Is there anybody here that doesn't need encouragement from the risen Christ? <laughs> I certainly do. He says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. The seven golden lampstands represent the seven churches. All right? We see that later in the passage. But I want to get you through this, and I don't want to run too late. Uh, and among the lampstands was someone like what? Son of man. Do you realize Jesus dwells in his churches? He's here. Why is he here? Because he's alive. He dwells in his churches. He sees everything. He sees what we do right, what we do wrong. He looks, he sees our heart. We're going to see that in a second. But bear in mind, you'll see this all throughout Revelation as the vision unfolds to John. There are things he really can't describe because there's no words for it. And he says, there was among the lampstands someone like a son of man. And here's how he was dressed. He was dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet. Who wears a robe? Come on. Say again. Well, yeah, I mean, the Lord wears a robe. But in, this, in the culture at the time, who wore robes? Kings? Priests, judge, uh, judges, prophets. I mean, we're talking about serious stuff here. All right? Listen, if, if you were being tailed by a police officer or so-called police officer, and um, he puts his lights on, and he wants you to pull over, and he gets out of the car, and you see no uniform, no badge, how would you feel? Could be phony, right? Could be phony. The way Jesus dressed, is dressed here says a lot about him. He is the king of kings. He is the one who will be the final judge. He is the one who is the perfect priest. That's why we don't need priests anymore. He is the one who will judge righteously. So... Someone like the Son of Man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. And with a golden sash around his chest, what do you think that's for? Come on. This is not a Miss America contest. All right? Yeah. Symbol of authority. That was, that was the badge. Right? Symbol of royalty. A symbol of authority. Right? Listen, this is not a popular message among our culture because in our culture today, we're of the opinion, we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. 
including Jesus, including the Word of God. That's why we're in so much trouble today. Look at the description of his hair. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow. What do you make of that? What does that mean? Mine's white. <laughs> He's old, ancient, the ancient of days. What else does it symbolize? Wisdom. Perfect wisdom. And there's one more element that it symbolizes. Purity. White as snow. Nothing impure about the risen Christ. There was nothing impure about the incarnate Christ or the pre-incarnate Christ. He is holy. This is the, the phrase that bothers me the most. And his eyes were like blazing fire. This is not x-ray vision like Superman had, okay? Uh, this is eyes that can penetrate like lasers, if you will, in the very, into the very core of our being, right into our soul, to expose everything good and bad about us. That's humbling, isn't it? But he has the every right to do that. You know why? Because he created us. Every once in a while you meet people with, with the eyes that look like they can look right through you, right? I mean, every, it, it doesn't happen often, but, but it does happen. But when Jesus is described like this, there's nothing hidden from him. Our sin, our failure, our shame, that's what he died for, by the way. So since he knows it all, why not confess it, repent of it, and receive him as Lord and Savior? His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace. Uh, again, another symbol of stability, royalty. I mean, this is, this is a majestic type picture. And his voice was like, the sound of rushing waters. Why do you think John put that in there? He was on a, des a prison island called Patmos uh, in the Aegean Sea. Rocky, all rocks, very little sand. What happens when water hits rocks? Rushes over it and it makes noise. So John is taking descriptions of what he knows to say, Listen, I can't tell you exactly what his voice was like, but it was like the sound of rushing waters. One of the sounds you never want to hear is coming into your house and hearing rushing waters, because that's an expensive plumber deal. But that's what Jesus' voice was like. And then he goes on to say, In Jesus' right hand, he held seven stars. Those stars represent the angels to the churches. I know that because it says it later on in the passage, right? Uh, those stars are the angels or the messengers to the churches. I really believe that the angels are in view here. I, th I believe every church has an angel watching over it. I really do. When that church is faithful to God. And coming out of Jesus' mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. What is, what's that a symbol of? The Word. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is able to penetrate right to our core and if we let God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, use the word to his word to penetrate our being and reveal in us things that we need to change and we need to repent of, he doesn't leave us there. That same word brings comfort and healing. That's why it's double-edged. Once we confess and repent. Isn't that true? Right? I hear people 
talking all the time about, especially now since uh, politics are so unstable, um, there's uh, some unholy alliances going on between Russia and China and Iran and and uh, the Mideast is he heating up. And, you know, people will say, who knows something maybe about the Bible, that, look, this is the way that God's going to destroy the earth. First of all, he's not going to destroy the earth completely, okay? And second of all, God doesn't need our weapons. All he needs is his word. And that's it. How arrogant we can be, right? Well, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord when he physically comes back again. We don't need the Internet for that. We don't need CNN or Fox News for that. Somehow, that's all going to be visible. And I don't have to worry about how. All I know is that it will be. Jesus doesn't need our technology. Now, I'm a big fan of technology, but I, I want to just have you grasp onto the picture of the risen Christ, because this is who he is. His face, like the sun shining in all its brilliance. I mean, that's had to be brighter than the sun. His holiness, his glory. That's what's in view here. And look at John's reaction. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. There is no other reaction. John knew he was in the presence of holiness, and he was a sinner saved by grace. He was in the presence of the risen Christ, and he had no choice but to go face down. But then I love this. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am eternal, he says, right? And then he goes on to say, oh, I'm, I left out the last verse. Um, uh, yeah, the, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. Listen, as I tie this up, because, you know, again, I'm watching my time. No matter what happens, our hope is not going to come from Washington, D.C., from any party. It's just not. Our culture will not change its present path unless there is a spiritual revival in the churches and then an awakening in our culture. We need to pray for our young people because our young people are being indoctrinated with this whole evil woke agenda started in the universities well actually started with the the elites and then went to the universities now they're it's in kindergarten and we have generations that are coming up thinking this is normal this is another slap in the face for the risen Christ he'll deal with it But there are times, I'll be very honest with you, there are times where, in, you know, as, as I say things to people and, and point them to the scriptures, and I'm talking about some believers now, and they'll just go off and do whatever they please. And I'm saying, what did I miss? What did I miss? In the church, there's too much of that. There's too much of that. Yeah, I know what the Bible says, but yeah. Church is church. Real life is real life. No, guess what? This is real life. Right? We have to get out of this mentality. We have to understand 
that Christ is the risen Christ. He is described here purposely to churches who are suffering for their faith. How about us? Some of you are in the workplace. And you know, it is so ironic because they talk about uh, in the workplace making people uncomfortable, right? Listen, if I were in secular work now, I'd be uncomfortable, but they wouldn't care. Isn't that true? I would be the abnormal, not the normal. That's why I can never last in human resources. You know, I couldn't put up with the, you know, the pronouns and all of this stuff. Now, God doesn't make mistakes. We need a vision of the risen Savior to go forward, just like these seven churches did. When they obeyed what Jesus said to them, they went forward. When they didn't obey, Jesus did exactly what he promised. He removed their lampstand, which means he removed their light, and they were no longer a witness for Christ. Wow. By the way, in all five, well, in five out of the seven churches, and these churches were located in modern-day Turkey, not one of them, not one of the five is left. In fact, where they were located, there is no Christian church now. There's no Christian church. In fact, in Turkey, you, you can be put in jail now for preaching the gospel. Listen, a lot of us over the years have had trials. Some have even have had persecution. I have to go back to this to be encouraged that I know that one day, well, first of all, that Jesus is still driving the bus. Okay? He's still driving the bus. He's in control. Even though the whole world looks like it's out of control, he's still in control. And number two, one day he's going to come back and make all the wrongs right. And I have to trust in that. And we have to be faithful. I'll leave you with one last thought. When the Thessalonians got uh, uh, talking and hearing about the end times and, and all, um, they got lazy. Because Paul, when Paul, he preached rightly to the Thessalonians, he said, look, Christ is, you know, he can come back now, he can come back any day. Well, some of the people in the congregations said, okay, I'll quit work. <laughs> Wrong. If we knew Jesus was coming back today, which we don't, we better be found in obedience to him. You know, it's, it's like mom and dad go out, see what you can get away with when they're not there, but you know they're coming back, right? No, it's not the same with Jesus. Jesus knows already, but he's coming back again. We need a vision of the risen Christ. And we need to understand that Christ commissioned us to go into the world and share the gospel. It may not be a popular message, and you may get called names. So what? Our job is to love people and to point them to the grace of the cross. That's our job. So I hope this encourages you today. John was 90 years old on Patmos. Historians believe he died two years later after this vision. But here he was, I mean, on Patmos, you had to fend for yourself. You know, they didn't, the, the authorities didn't provide food or, or whatever. I mean, it was, 
it was bad. And God in his grace gave him this great vision of the risen Christ and he held fast. We need that today. And we need that in our culture. We need that in our government. We need that in all areas of our lives. So that's my prayer today. He is risen. All right, wake up. He is risen. Okay, I'm going to ask the worship people to come forward. And uh, we'll end with this song. And I chose this song um, purposely because when we get discouraged and we think that there's no hope, the fact of the matter is our God still reigns. So would you sing, please? Would you stand?
I want to thank you all from, for coming today. April, it's great to see you again, and glad you were here. Um, I, I've known April, how old were you when we, uh, we met? Like 14, 15, well, yeah, but you're, you're, still, you're still only 16, right? <laughs> okay, all right. But it's, it's always great to see her. She lives in Philly, or outside of Philly, and uh, she's doing well out there. God is good, and all the time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you we have a risen Savior. And Father, when we feel that we are getting discouraged in our journey with you, give us a renewed vision of how great our Savior is. And so, Father, I pray your blessing today that as people gather to celebrate Easter, that it would be a good time, good time of fellowship. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Easter. You're dismissed.